it seems like in terms of like filling air, it seems like the double spacing your papers and going yeah. with what is it? What was it? Courier, I think, was the font. It's yeah. No, what you do. This is what I would do. You don't. You don't double space your papers because that's too obvious. What you do is you highlight all the periods and you make the periods bigger, and it changes the spacing of all of the uh, text. And so it it still looks like it's the appropriate amount spaced, but you've actually filled way less of the page, and you can make it way more pages. The that's what we used to do. I knew about this is because a teacher that didn't know about the font trick would check your periods really yeah font spacing is also a good one if you don't want to do line spacing font spacing is is customizable i think it was georgia georgia is the one where if you had like a paper that was a page and a half it brought it to two pages Mm. nice wide font i I, I, georgia i also (laughs) i made sure that every paragraph had an orphan you know just like one word or two ending it just to bump you one line long Yep, get another line in there. That's very a, smart. That's a very good scam. I like. I would that just one. do. It didn't matter what font. You would just go into the font settings and change the spacing between each letter. So if they were like, it has to be Times New Roman, it has to be twelve point. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to change the spacing to point five, and then everything is a little further apart. I didn't know that one. That's I hope one. that we're giving our uh, listeners who are in college some good advice that they can use. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, introduce the wonderful world of professional wrestling to my friend Rachel Millman. Hi. Hi, Rachel. What's up? Uh, you know, just miserable weather today. It was gross. It was disgusting. I had to walk. I had a doctor's appointment today. I had to walk like half an hour in the pouring rain. It really sucked. Oh, dude. That. Yeah. That blows. I had a pretty miserable, pretty miserable time. I'm sorry. Side note, though, I am STD free. So, hey, <laughs> congrats, folks, folks, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on the market, uh, guys, gals, non-binary pals. <laughs> I did tweet earlier today that um, the results are in, and the doctor has declared my pussy is normal. So, <laughs> I did see that, <laughs> and I almost responded with one of my favorite. Uh, things in my sort of like personal pile of things I like to joke about which is a baggy pussy but like I decided <laughs> that was not no a politeness I, I, I mean like I think saying like the concept of like saying I have a baggy pussy <laughs> is very funny it's but I really felt it own. would be like could, perceived as rude yeah it would have been i would have been like excuse me no but like i don't mean it in a cruel way i just think that like it's a really funny phrase (laughs) i'm very sorry for our guest today that he had to hear me say the words baggy pussy repeatedly well that'll probably be the title of the episode now i love it (laughs) uh we have a guest today owen allickson is here hi owen hi owen hi guys thanks for having me thank you for coming on yeah, you've I'm kind a, of been like an OG day one. I don't know why you hung out this long. Listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Owen has been very supportive. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've been a big fan of uh, this podcast for a long time, so this is a, a thrill for me. Oh, so thank you. I'm super thrilled to have you. Um, number one, because you're great, but number two, because you uh, put together a wonderful. Uh, curriculum for us about big van vader who i'm so excited to talk about oh yeah thank you <laughs> so I love me yeah so i kind of want to know before we get into it um first of all like 
how what is your path to wrestling fandom and your relationship to pro wrestling throughout your life and then why why vader so uh i had the sort of usual uh i'm 40 now born in 78 so i had the usual kind of young boy wwf hogan warrior type exposure uh and then in 93 when i was a freshman in high school i got super into it kind of inexplicably because like it was not a particularly good time. Like <laughs> it was like Lex Luger versus Yokozuna in the WWF. It was just like kind of a grim, like the undertaker had like an American flag inseam on his coat to show that he was fighting for America. It was just like, <laughs> he probably was, still has that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just like what yeah. he wears now, like in his regular life. Yeah. He turned the coat inside out and that's what he wears to Starbucks every day. Yeah, no, I think that I'm sure that was his pitch. That was uh, an early example of Mark getting some shit in. Um, but uh, I, I quickly found WCW, which I had never known anything about and uh, fell for a couple guys there. I loved Arn Anderson. I liked Flair, but uh, I really fell for Vader. Uh, I've been a hardcore fan ever since. Um, this podcast actually has sort of helped me get a little more back into it after a couple of years. Once I had kids, um, I started just watching less, but uh, I'm getting back in now. But Vader oh, yeah. was one of the guys who like really made a catch fire for me. That's awesome. That's and uh, I'm happy to hear um, that this podcast has inspired you to neglect your children in favor of wrestling. <laughs> that is really what we're going for. You looked at me and I knew you were going to say something <laughs> along those lines. I was like, yeah, she's going for it right going now. For it. Yep, there she goes. <laughs> it feels like Our- a nice little incremental neglect. Like they're never going to, you know, like when you turn the heat up on a frog, they're never going to, I'm going to try to avoid pivot points where they're like, oh, he's really not here. I'll just be there less and less and less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're really doing is is giving them more experience to be autonomous human beings and they will appreciate that in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. Are they into it at all or you haven't introduced it to them yet? They've seen a little of it and they certainly love wrestling themselves. Um, we sometimes do a thing where they wrestle each other and I announce on the bed. Um, <laughs> Aww. The, little, the little one gets pretty sad pretty quickly. So that's, they've <laughs> sort of gone away from that lately. But, um, but yeah, no, they, I haven't shown them a ton cause the stuff I'm watching these days is, you know, kind of Memphis bloody stuff sometimes, but, uh, right. yeah, but I'm, I'm going to show them a little, see what they think. So what about Vader like really connected with you, do you think? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because I feel like this podcast is like really um, wrestlesplaining. I keep saying this podcast in a weird like WWE way where there are certain words you can't say. Uh, <laughs> you know, I love wrestlesplania. Uh, one of the things I love about wrestlesplania is like it's a very progressive take on wrestling. But, I, you know, the wrestling I fell in love with really had a just kind of ugly darkness at its core. Um, and you know, sort of an archetype that is still around, but it's not quite as around as it used to be. It's just the motherfucker bully. Uh, and I feel like <laughs> Vader may be the best one ever. Just like almost like a cartoon of like the asshole in a bar in a movie. Um, enormous, like speaks like a monster, flies around magically. Um, I was just like, this guy's clearly the best. And an insane in, in truly insane wrestling gear. Um, yeah. Some sort of weird like robot hippo mask that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Smoke. 
I definitely want to get into his his crazy New Japan mask where he looks like a cool bug. I really <laughs> like it. But yeah, I think you said in your notes that he was sort of like testosterone personified. And I feel like that's a great way to put it. Like he's the one of the things I was thinking when I was watching this stuff, because I'm a little younger than you, but I, I was like definitely when a lot of this stuff was happening of an age where I could have conceivably been watching wrestling. Yeah. Had I watched wrestling at this time, all I could think was like, I would have been so afraid of this guy. Yeah. I'm alive for all of these matches. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like on the second one, I think I, it aired like two days after my sixth birthday and like imagining like myself crying while this man is on TV. is kind (laughs) of very fun, but they did utilize him on boy meets world in that exact manner. That's true. Oh, yeah, that, I feel like that is uh, for Rachel and I in our early 30s. I feel like that is that was like before I got into wrestling. My primary association with that guy is that he was on Boy Meets World. Yep, he was on Boy Meets World, and I believe he was on an episode of Baywatch as well. Nice, fuck yeah, <laughs> no complaints. Did he um, run but, slow? I hope he did. Slow uh, motion. <laughs> did he do slow motion on the beach? I think they, uh, the lifeguards were sort of chaperoning a wrestling event. Basically, they <laughs> WCW did a show, Bash at the Beach 95, and then Baywatch did an episode about the lifeguards helping out with Bash at the Beach 95. <laughs> I love was, Synergy, like, a lot. Yes. That sounds was, really good to me. Love a crossover I, app. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was quite a, quite a time to be alive. <laughs> Thank you for a cross promoting Kat's other show. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I like I knew a little bit about him just like from doing this podcast, people talk about Vader and we like every time we do a Twitch stream where people send us videos, people send us Vader matches and they're always really cool and I, I really wanted to do this uh episode. But um I didn't know the story of sort of his like I know he was wrestling in in North America a little bit and and he was sort of he was discovered at a at a gym after being a football player and everything but like his sort of claim to fame initially was his New Japan uh debut which sounds fucking unbelievable. So just even like before the debut itself the thing that blew my mind is that he was in direct competition with Sid Vicious? Like, yeah. That's that in itself is like, what? Sid, Sid Vicious, the wrestler, not the sex pistol. Yeah, definitely. But still, just like <laughs> when I first read that sentence, like my brain went to like had to, you know, reconfigure the wires and stuff. But I still think who was the other guy he was in competition with? Oh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the, yeah, the big freaks of the time. Yeah. I've always been Sid Vicious is like a crazy hallmark of the era when they just used whatever music they wanted to. It was yeah. like. I, I think the name Sid Vicious is great, so I'll take literally that name. I will not change a letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm him just, now. He's yeah. dead at this point, right? The, the, Sid is not dead. Um, Sid okay. uh, still surfaces every now and again. Sid, no, I mean, uh, the, I mean the Sex Pistol Sid Vicious. When Sid oh, Vicious the wrestler was around, he was already dead, right? I th- yeah, he, think he was so. Dead. He was yeah. insane. Yes, one of the <laughs> deadest people in the world by the time Super dead. The started wrestling. Notably dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, I guess he's not around to sue, so Sid yeah. Vicious. Sid Vicious it is. Yep. But yeah, so there are these other guys in contention, uh, and man, they picked the right one out of those. Truly. <laughs> oh, my God. And also, the setup for how he was introduced into New Japan was kind of mind-blowing to me with the guy that they introduced him through like yes. 
yes. So that kind of blew my mind when I was reading it out loud. It was uh, Takeshi Kitano who, you know, the Battle Royale most extreme elimination challenge guy. The fact that he was involved in it just made me laugh so hard of like, what a weird... I could I could spend an hour just like talking about how bizarre it is that that guy interacted with wrestling and of course that guy interacted with wrestling but like for yeah him, that makes perfect sense to me it makes <laughs> of course it did but it was also like wow small of, world of course yeah. um but the fact that he's the one who brought Vader in and like Vader as his like big old freak yeah so yeah. Owen can you explain a little bit of the of the details of that like what the storyline was and and what happened. So basically, Antonio Inoki, you know, founded New Japan and was its signature star forever and kind of always booked himself as like miles above the other wrestlers where you needed like four guys to even have a shot against him. Love it. Love a vanity booking. Yes, very much so. So it was um, he was on a rivalry with a guy named Ricky Choshu around this time, but they decided they needed something extra. So Takeshi Kitano, who was mainly known as I think a talk show host at the time. Um, started talking about how he was going to bring in Big Van Vader, which supposedly is a, a character from Japanese folklore, but nobody can find any documentation of that anywhere. So it might be <laughs> just one of those wrestling things. Um, it may be like some weird like transliteration or something that's like lost to the probably of time. I mean, yeah. I do also like that you included included like he just drove a big van. That may have been it, <laughs> which is yeah. again very funny to me. I always I always assumed the name Big Van Vader was some sort of like faux Germanic thing. Yeah, that's what I thought too. You know, it, that, I always thought that too. Actually, before I went back and checked, because he. Um, Leon White when he was known as Bull Power another great name such <laughs> a good like. name Bull uh, yeah. Power yeah yeah um, he he first gained momentum after training in Minnesota in Austria and Germany so I I kind of assumed the same thing that Van Vader or something like yeah. that was <laughs> where he came from I just um, like the idea of him like being in the line of the Von Trapp children too of like Big Van Vader <laughs> middle <laughs> Gita. He does the good night song. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Vader doing like the so long farewell song. It's good to me. Goodbye. <laughs> but him doing like the high pitched little note that they do at the end is very good to me too. Goodbye. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they basically Anoki was like, I need to create almost like a an actual monster to beat me in the ring. So he's the uh, destro in this situation is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he is the, you guys are probably too young, but when they did the Bud Bowl during the Super Bowl, it was Bud versus Bud Light every year. And then when they were pushing Bud Dry, Bud Dry was the fullback for Bud Light. And it was like five times bigger than every other can. And it just totally changed the game. Uh, <laughs> Feel free to cut that. But uh, <laughs> no, that I was 100 staying in. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait to find out whatever the hell it is you were just talking about. <laughs> so Anoki, uh, who would go years without losing, um, said, "I'm going to beat Ricky Choshu, the main guy I've been feuding with, mm-hmm. and then Takashi Katana is going to bring in his monster, and that guy is going to beat me in two minutes." in Sumo Hall, uh, which was the biggest venue they ran at the time. They did that. The fans went crazy. They fucking hated Vader. They hated the whole thing. <laughs> they, they set the seat cushions they were sitting on on fire. There was a full-on riot, and Sumo Hall kicked New Japan out for two years. That, so that was debuted in Japan. <laughs> that I can't – like, they must have been overjoyed 
by that response. Like, yeah, it sucks to be banned from the sumo hall, but like, what a fucking impression. Like, that is exactly what you want. Yeah. A heel debut is people are so upset that he won that they are lighting things on fire. (laughs) And this is, I also, I'm glad we're talking about this because this has come up on the show before, but there is a very mistaken stereotype that Japanese wrestling fans are like very sedate. And like, I feel like this really flies in the face of that. Yeah. I mean, like, American marks love to complain. I highly doubt any of them would light anything on fire, like en masse in an arena. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think they're not sedate. I think their rhythms are different. I think we are mainly smoke. I think they are literally fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're just like, yeah, they're, they're not as into like the organized chanting. They're more just into going apeshit and lighting things on fire. I mean, yeah. that you see that in um, the other Japanese match we watched too, which we'll get into later, just yeah. like how into it the crowd is. But yeah, they caused a riot because the wrestler they wanted to win didn't win. Stop saying yeah. they're like, oh, they're much more respectful and polite. Like, <laughs> no. They're going to light some fucking seat cushions on fire because Big Van Vader's yep. there and he's a big motherfucker and they're, they're mad. And he literally, he throws him so hard because I looked up that clip. You watched the, the suplex, yeah. yeah. I watched the suplex and was like, are you kidding me? That, yeah. like... He really, I mean, in all of these matches, just the way that he manhandles his opponents is like, you know, sometimes you watch old wrestling and it's like the pacing isn't really what it is today or or things sometimes look a little fakey or whatever. He looks like he is just ragdolling these people. Like I, it his when he does like a slam or a power bomb or something, I'm like that guy is dead. <laughs> you you are never embarrassed to watch wrestling because it's fake when Vader is on the screen. It's just Absolutely. like oh. Yeah, I feel like I would show my friends who are not fans Vader. They'd be like, "All right, well that that that's something." <laughs> it's, it's he's just undeniable. So and yeah, and that first Inoki match was pretty forgettable. I mean, it was booked to be quick, and he was still pretty green. But the way he leaned into the hatred of the fans afterwards, you know, some guys would almost I think be scared at the level of reaction. Yeah, he just you know sort of waved them on like he clearly like just a man who had found what he was meant for in life. Like, I am meant to be horrifying to people. <laughs> <laughs> That's It's beautiful when someone finds their place in the world, being a yep. terrifying bully. Terrifying man in a weird mask. Yeah. Uh, so the first, the first like, real match you had us watch was um, Vader versus Kaiji Muto, a.k.a. Uh, later known as the Great Muta in, uh, in North America. Um, and uh, do you know, like, about how long this was after his debut? Was this, like, years later or... This, this was about four years later, and okay. Vader was, you know, in, in as was the practice at the time, he was a guy who jumped around a lot. Um, yeah. In between, he had a run in all Japan where he got his eye knocked out in a match with Stan Hansen and shoved it back in and finished the match. Thank uh, you for not including that clip. I've yes. seen that one. It's If you can stand it, again, it's worth watching just to be like, wrestling is fucking real. <laughs> like, yeah. wrestling is real and gross and it bad for you if the you do The next it. charity <laughs> stream that we do... That'll be put, a goal. That'll be yeah. a goal. How about that? Is that <laughs> a good one? Oh. Yeah, somebody throw the Vader eye match at them. People. I'm like very, I'm like dizzy thinking about it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, a lot. it's, we, we will definitely charge a premium for that. It's, it's pretty gnarly, but uh, if you can stand it, it is, it is something to check out. Also just like, uh, you know, we haven't done an episode on him, but somebody else who sort of has this same vibe of just like 
striking total fear in my heart as a viewer. Like Stan Hansen is another one like that, where I'm just like, that guy is fucking scary to me. I, I have heard you talk up the hotness of Stan Hansen, and it is one of my favorite takes on God's Green Earth. I love God. I love a big nosed cowboy. I'm, that's my type. <laughs> I love Stan Hansen. I love a I love a dude who just looks like he was like like cut out of a rock with a like he looks like a chainsaw sculpture. Like yeah. <laughs> he's he's not like a, a greek marble like fine featured he's like someone went in with like a hatchet and a chainsaw and cut up a tree trunk and now a bust of stan hansen is outside uh an antique shop on route four in new hampshire like that's <laughs> that's what his face looks like and i love it <laughs> yeah so vader had by this time vader was a pretty great worker um yeah he this match is awesome around. yeah um i mean he was he was you know, a lot of wrestlers of the era came from football, but he was like actually a really quite good football player before he had to retire, which is funny because he retired because his knee got fucked up and then he did moonsaults for 20 years. <laughs> Just a crazy dude. Um, but yeah, so by this point, he was really great. So I included this because this was an example of like he plays a pitch perfect monster, but it's also him crafting a great match with a great worker. Um for sure. Um, yeah, there's definitely like a lot of technique and structure and everything. It's, it's not just like, you know, technicless brawling, uh, you know, like he could, he, he is somebody who could have easily just relied on being big and that he was, doesn't do that. That was my big takeaway from this match is that it was like very, very graceful mm. yeah. in its own right. And like, we've talked about like the grace, like a large guy being graceful on this show before, but he is like notably graceful in his destruction. I felt yeah. Yeah. he I, I think he's like he's an interesting to me. He reminds me a lot of like what we were saying about Samoa Joe. Yes. Where um, there are like big men who do moonsaults and stuff like that. And they they have a skill set where they almost look sort of balletic. Like I think Kevin Owens is like incredibly graceful. He looks incredibly light on his feet. Um, yeah. Keith Lee is another person like that. Mm -hmm. But Samoa Joe and uh, Vader they have the same agility. Like it's certainly the same grace in terms of like what they can do, but they don't make it look like they're light on their feet. They make it look like they're fucking you up. Yup. And like, it's, uh, it's, it's very like ferocious, even as he's doing these like legitimately sort of balletic athletic moves, like the moonsault and everything. Um, he never, he never really rounds off the moonsault cleanly, which makes it so much more terrifying. It's so scary. Yes. It's it always looks like a, a guy standing on a pool table in a bar doing something for the first time in his life, which is like the most. <laughs> thing to yeah, no, that is that is a great way to describe it. Um, I also again, I do just want to talk about his entrance gear, which is so cool. I love it. The smoke. Yeah. The, the cool bug suit that shoots smoke out of it is so cool. <laughs> the cool bug shoot that shoots smoke is like a very, that's a great turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I don't remember if it was in, in any of the matches that I included, but sometimes what he would do is he would come out in the, in the mask, the mask would smoke. He would then take off the mask, then put the mask down and the mask would smoke on its own. This <laughs> 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 was the most unnecessary like baroque series of moves, but uh, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, he does in this one. He does sort of go out into the crowd and like smoke the crowd a little bit. Like, yeah, he takes it off and is holding it, and then more smoke comes out. It's it's a little it's a little confusing, but uh, he's he's so scary. He kind of pulls it off. Um, 
But yeah, uh, another thing that sort of reminded me of Smojo, one thing we said in our Smojo episode is like the guys who look like they could fuck you up versus the guys who look like they will fuck you up. And like, he looks like, you know, he's not going to the gym for vanity. He is like a a guy who looks like he has honed his brute strength through just punching people square in the face. He looks more like a guy who will fuck you up than Samoa Joe, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is high praise. I mean, I I definitely agree. I think the closest thing to Vader these days is Joe. Um, And yeah, no, I think Vader, like a lot of guys design their bodies to look pretty. Like Vader designed his body to hurt people. Uh, And that that is the kind of wrestling that I really flip for. Yeah, he's he's terrifying. And it is like, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because people talk about how like, uh, wrestlers didn't used to look as like, you know, muscular or whatever as they, as they do now, or like a couple years ago when, when everybody in the WWE was like really big or whatever. But like, to me, this guy is still honing his appearance to be forbidding. He just doesn't have a six pack. Like, yeah, this is still conveying immense power to me. Like, I I look at this guy and like, I know he fucking lifts weights. Like he, he just looks like a power lifter and not a bodybuilder, Yes, you know? Yes, exactly. No, he he looks like an athlete of his size. Yeah, which is he. I I don't know how much he actually weighed, but he he's billed in some of these at like four hundred and fifty pounds or something. I which feel is like, like that's not true. <laughs> I, Sorry I, to ruin kayfabe. <laughs> Google will tell you, you know, when the you, you do a search on a question like that, and they just have the default answer. They say six five three seventy five, which I think is probably just like a. a wrestling lie that google doesn't know better than but i mean he was he was north of three his whole career for sure for sure yeah that doesn't sound too too out of the realm of possibility um before we move on i do want to talk a little bit too about um kaiji muto in this because like i your description of him as a tanahashi naito hybrid was really interesting to me um he's clearly the the like cool baby face like people are clearly rooting for him yeah um and the it's- way the crowd is screaming for him is really that was also one of like the huge takeaways I had when I watched this the first time which was that like oh my god these people are in love with him to a degree that is like wonderful to see because mm-hmm. uh, like i watch i watch like some of the grainier stuff i said it before like i watch it twice just so i can like make sure that i catch everything and like what that was the huge takeaway i had from the first one is that like god this crowd is losing their fucking mind yeah they're going nuts it's really fun and then they throw the cushions in at the end yeah. clearly as a reminder of like look what we'll do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was wondering about that they yeah there's all the seat cushions pile up in the ring after after Muto wins. Um, also, this is the first time I saw uh, one of his moves that is recurring in all of these matches that I, I really love, which is when his opponent tries to sunset flip him and he just sits on their throat. Yes! <laughs> which is so cool. This may be the simplest move in the history of wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, why doesn't fucking everybody do that? A sunset flip makes no sense. Just sit down. Like, what a dumb, what a dumb move. I want a wrestler with a really bony ass to do that. <laughs> like Zack Sabre Jr. does it's it. It's like, oh, the guillotine. He like chops your head off with his bony ass. That would be a perfect Zack Sabre Jr. move then. Like for sure. I I think the cushions in the ring, I, I had thought the same thing as Rachel, but I apparently... It was at the time, it was like when uh, they throw money in the ring in Mexico, it was saying that match was amazing. 
Oh, nice. So, oh, I like that because it's like, I assume this is my my projection reading of it. Uh, you throw the cushions in the ring because you're like, I'm not sitting down. I'm, I'm on my feet. Yeah. I don't need to sit down anymore because it's standing O for that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Or it's like, it's so good that I want to make sure I don't burn anything. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I wish people threw money in the ring uh, in other places. I think that's a great tradition. Yeah, there's uh, a guy named Puma King in PWG still gets it every now and again. I always uh, endorse that. Uh, we love Puma King. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Ra- Ra- I, I love Puma King. But Rachel, you're like a big Puma King mark. I know you got I, a picture with him. I got a picture with him. I bought a shirt. It's also a pretty good shirt in my defense. Like you could it's he has a, a shirt. No defense needed. He kicks it, ass. It, it's he has a shirt good enough that like a person who isn't into wrestling would be into wearing it. I think nice because it's a cat wearing a lucha mask. That's a pretty totally good shirt. Agree. Yeah, I I feel t-shirted out at this point in my life, but uh, I I thought his his merch is head and shoulders above everybody else's at PWG. Yeah, sorry for the video quality. Always this was a fan cam um, because there is no remaining TV footage of the actual match. Um, so. Oh. They, Vader's son, Jesse, who runs his Twitter account, it was news to him like last week that there was footage of this match. Oh, cool. Said, oh, that's wonderful. It, he said like this is one of um, his dad's three favorite matches of his career, but unfortunately no footage exists. And then uh, this. Yeah, that's awesome. God bless that fan. Yeah, that's really cool. And that fan who had a lot of money because for, for a video camera in 1991, it's of shockingly decent clarity. Yeah, it's a flex. That's, yeah. that's a pretty, yeah. <laughs> as bad as it is to watch now, that's still pretty good for 91. Don't, one, don't apologize. Two, nowhere near the grainiest we have watched on this show. Yeah, for sure. We've, <laughs> wa- we've watched stuff where it's like barely intelligible. This was fine. Uh, but yeah, it's cool knowing it's a fan cam too, because um, I saw that written on there and I wasn't sure because, uh, you know, I don't understand Japanese, so I can't understand what the people are saying during the match. But it's really fun to know it's fans because they are fully marking out. Uh, by yeah. the end and it's cool to know that it's not just commentary trying to put the match over like those people were really fucking losing their minds exactly yeah no they they talk as often and as animatedly as announcers exactly so they yeah. were they were fucking in that place if it hadn't had fan cam on it i would have assumed it was announcers yeah it was yeah. real cool so the next thing you had us watch was uh, Vader versus Cactus Jack at uh, Halloween Havoc i want to say 93 Um, yeah. So tell me why you picked this one. I really enjoyed this, but I want to know how you, how you decided on Halloween Havoc, Texas Deathmatch as, uh, our next one. Well, Vader and Cactus is one of, uh, definitely one of his signature rivalries ever. Uh, him and Sting is probably the other one. Um, I sent you guys one of their matches during the stream, um, for Yellowhammer Fund. Uh, I love this match because, I mean, it's an insanely violent match, but it is in the dopiest setting possible, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's peak corny WCW. This match that has some of the most violent stuff I've ever seen in a match starts with a shot of Tony Schiavone, the play-by-play guy, wearing a bald wig and electrical tape eyebrows to look like Jesse the Body Ventura, <laughs> the color guy. And... uh just the general ineptitude of WCW just permeates this match. Like <laughs> nobody knows what the rules are at any point. Okay. They... That was one of my questions. <laughs> that, so yeah, that there, there's a long history of Texas death matches and they have very straightforward rules, but WCW just completely got them wrong. 
like different guys had different ideas of what they were. The ref was not on the same page with the wrestlers. The announcers were not on the same page with each other. It's a fucking fiasco. <laughs> it's it's so funny. So yeah, it starts and you see that you see the fake Jesse Ventura and the real Jesse Ventura and you're like, okay, I know I'm in for, for something. And then you realize you're really in for something when they start explaining a Texas death match. Uh, and the two rules in succession are uh, falls don't count and falls count anywhere. <laughs> Those are right I, in a row. <laughs> I like that was the point where I was like, you know, I could watch this three times and I'm not going to know what's happening here. No one knows what's happening. The end like the end is a surprise to everyone. I feel like <laughs> I feel like it was a surprise yeah. to the ref. Yeah. It, but but all of the stuff in between all of these insane arbitrary rules is really fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Like even the goofy ac- aspects of it, like Cactus Jack hitting someone with a cactus. Thank you. That is what I wanted. And you gave it to me. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things about Cactus Jack that I wanted to talk about here before we get into Vader. Um, number one, I really like that he is built from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I feel like that's an awesome wrestling town to be built from. Yes. Um, yep perfect uh number two i really like that um the announcers continually call him cactus as if that is his first name i really like that uh he's mr jack i guess jack is first name cactus last name jack uh i find that very funny and uh my last thought um mick foley's like kind of a babe to me a little bit like i think he's like kind of cute I know he has, like, insane teeth and he's, like, a maniac and everything, but, like, great head of hair, very charismatic. He's got, like, real twinkly eyes. I'm, like, kind of into it. So the thing with, like, Mick Foley and, like, the all the characters he does is I'm always, like, okay, is that Mick Foley or does he just look like a guy from the Mick Foley era? And I have to pause and Google every time <laughs> I see a new Mick Foley character. He is, like, the Lady Gaga of wrestling. Yeah, definitely in the early stages, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I love him too. Um, I mean, he he's one of those guys who's been around so long. He's kind of a parody of himself a couple times over at this point. <laughs> but he was really great in this uh, period before he broke down. And I will agree that he was much more handsome than I remembered. Uh, I don't know about all the way handsome, but certainly more handsome. Uh, <laughs> he, um, I mean, he was like a really impressive kind of physical worker. Um, by the time he really hit big in WWF, he was already kind of a wreck, um, yeah. and used his intelligence to sort of really make a spectacle, but here he could really move. Um, and an interesting thing about this match is he, at the previous, maybe it wasn't Halloween Havoc, but the previous year he had a crazy brawl with Sting where he was basically the Vader. He was the enormous, terrifying, mm-hmm. physical guy. Interesting. And they, um, he's talked about this very explicitly in interviews and he gives Vader full credit for it. They turned him babyface at the beginning of 93 and it kind of wasn't working because they were like, it, by his own admission, he was like, I was not somebody you would really feel sympathetic for. He was a big, weird, like crazy guy who loved pain. Yeah. Uh, and then they randomly put him against Vader on TV and it just totally clicked because Vader is even bigger and scarier than he is. And that got everybody on board with him. So Vader really made his career as a babyface, which is how he's known. Um, so this was an example of like, if you look at what Cactus does in this match, it's like, oh, that guy's got to be the bad guy in this match, right? And then you look at what Vader's doing, and it's like, oh, that's even more horrifying. Than <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I guess, yeah, like uh, there's 
Vader is just so clearly uh, the the like more aggressive person, which like there are very few people more sort of aggressive than Mick Foley during this era where he's just like a maniac. Um, but I feel like that really speaks to like a, a lot of these matches. I think we'll talk about this a little when we talk about the Gold Dust match. Like despite Vader being this sort of like completely uh, unstoppable, like testosterone in human form like just personified aggression he really seems like a pretty giving performer to the people he's working with like because he is so physically imposing he he's smart about what things he sort of no sells and what things he lets like land or whatever but like he is he he does seem like somebody who was probably pretty good to work with from what from what i see in these matches I think that's right. I mean, I think he, he hit the hell out of you. Like he was definitely one of those guys where you, you knew you'd wrestled Vader when you went home that night. Yeah. But <laughs> creatively speaking, I, I think he definitely was giving and he was giving in a smart way of, you know, there are some really athletic big guys who kind of fly around as though they're not big. Right. Uh, Vader never did that. He never like minimized his own size for the sake of one spot. He always acted like a monster, but he acted like a monster that you could hurt. So when you did hurt him, it meant a ton. I really uh, enjoy the way he staggers when he like half sells a move because it, it makes sense, right? Like if somebody chops him, he's not going to like fall over or something like that. Like he kind of has to just like stand there because most other guys wouldn't be able to knock him over. But like the half stagger that he does when a move like hits and it's supposed to be impactful is really, really good. And it's good storytelling. Yeah. No, I mean, it's kind of like Michael Myers selling. It's like the <laughs> you know, the figure in a horror movie, like you want him to still be scary. So you can't just knock him over. But, you know, if you slow him down, that is a meaningful, you know, that's a win for you. Um, yeah, I, I that's really interesting what you said about like the idea that he never sacrificed his size for a move, because I think that that like I remember, you know, I was I was watching wrestling when when Vader passed away and everything. And I remember people saying like he's he was like the perfect big man. And as wrestling has gotten more athletic and there are more uh big wrestlers who can do these really um, impressive athletic uh, kind of aerial moves where it's like, wow, like they shouldn't be able to do that. Um, The overuse of those things can sort of minimize the amount of power that that person is supposed to convey. And like Vader, like you said, Vader does the moonsault, but it always looks like it's going to end badly for him. And he still doesn't like move spam it. You know, he doesn't do it over and over again and he's not like jumping over people or anything like most of his offense is he'll him just sort of falling on people because he's so big like that is still the main way he's scary is that he's just a big mean motherfucker and exactly uh, i i can definitely see like why when he passed away people talked about how influential he was for wrestlers of that size yeah and he was you know there's there's always been the concept of getting your shit in that you have a bunch of moves and you like to do them in your match because you know, that's your job and it's fun to do the moves that you got over. Vader was never a guy who felt like he had to do all his moves. Um, Mm -hmm. he, you know, he had like 30 things that could plausibly put somebody down and he'd do three of them in the right moments in a match. Uh, and it still worked. Yeah, I really feel like that is the hallmark of of a good wrestler. Like that is that is thoughtful wrestling to me. Um and 
like being it's not I don't want to say doing the bare minimum because that's not what it is but like being thoughtful about when you pull those things out as opposed to like here's here's my greatest hits in every single match because that's not being a giving performer minimalism is I think probably a better way to put it just kind of like minimalism does have a place and does show something and does frame things and I wouldn't call him a minimalistic person but in terms (laughs) of like how he used his moves I guess you could say like yeah yeah. he's just very thoughtful yeah um And it kind of it's kind of like a sports movie build, you know. The big the big stuff is at the end. Um, yeah. He just kind of knew how to crescendo. Um, he had awesome shit. He could have done awesome shit the whole time, but the stories were better when he had to resort to it late because the guy was tougher than he thought. Yeah, it's also just safer to wrestle that way. Like it's just better for your health, I think, I mean, to not do a million fucking moves in every single match when you don't need to. And safer for the other guy. You said earlier, like I feel like everybody who wrestled Vader went home and knew that they had wrestled him <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say that like if vader gave you a hug you would go home <laughs> and know that that guy had hugged you or like high-fived you can you imagine getting an enthusiastic high-five from vader your your shoulder would need to be like popped back in <laughs> i send you guys a, a gif i don't know if you saw it but um he when he won a big title in japan in the late 90s um there yes. was an award ceremony and he had his son on his shoulder and then he dropped him down to pick up the trophy and uh the way he drops his son is very funny i mean the, his, jesse was fine but uh it's it's like he's knocking a piece of kleenex off his shoulder like yeah. he's so large and powerful like the rules are just different around him i mean he's almost andre the giant-ish in terms of just seeming like a different species of creature yeah, yeah. and he, his son in that gif is like He's not like he's no older. He's older than like toddler, toddler age, but like not far out of it. But that's like a pretty large child, yeah. I would say. And he looks like a six month old baby yeah. on Vader's shoulders. Well, even like him wrestling Cactus Jack in this, like there's there's a spot in this where uh, Vader is like out uh, past the guardrail, like into the crowd. And he just dumps Cactus Jack over the guardrail. And it's like without a second thought, like it looks like there was no exertion getting put in that. And like, I've seen McFoley, he in person, he's a very big man. <laughs> like, and he's just, he's just throwing him around. Like it's nothing. And it's yeah, like, I, I, I think Foley was two fifty easy at this point. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Bader, Bader was just manhandling him. Um, I also want to talk about how uh, you sent us a promo as well uh, God, with Vader. I loved it. The promo is great. And then um, the promo has Harley Race in it. And then he comes out with Harley Race as his manager here as well. Um, Harley Race takes a bump, which is pretty sweet. And then uh, he has a taser. And uh, it's really funny to me. <laughs> the teasing of the taser is so funny because the commentary is like, what is that? What could it be? And it's and like, it's a taser. It's <laughs> From moment one, it's clear it's a taser. I don't think you can be <laughs> subtle about a taser. It's like ever. zapping. It's like yeah, like it's, it's a fucking taser. It's making uh what we'll call classic taser noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an amazing like you can just you can just viscerally sense how little this company knew what it was doing. Like <laughs> they, they hadn't agreed on what they knew about various things. Like which is. <laughs> Such a basic failure, it's almost hard to explain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like going on with this match with no one really being clear on the rules for a pay-per-view is like 
really something. I it's also, really good. This is the only thing I've seen where like an announcer arbitrarily says, okay, they get 15 seconds to rest. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a 30 second rest after each fall, which has previously been described as not counting. And then after the 30 seconds, they get a 10 count to get to their feet. So it's like, it's kind of like we've watched some last man standing matches that are like that where you have a 10 count to yeah, get to yeah, your yeah. feet. But like, there's a rest period built in. So like people are counting down the rest period, but then there's like another count. It's insane. It, it's so dumb. So, oh, and the next match you had us watch was uh, Vader versus Dustin Rhodes in 1994. Um, and as you put it, this was your favorite Dustin Rhodes match until last month. Yep. Um, I just think this is like, one of the like classic like archetypes of wrestling. There's just like a huge mean guy and there's a guy who just refuses to be afraid. Um, it's such a simple story, but this is one of my favorite tellings of it ever. Uh, and Dustin got fired a month or two later, I want to say for blading in a match, which was against WCW rules at the time. Um, we just watched the cactus Jack match though. (laughs) I know that's the thing. They, WCW at the time kept switching uh, chief executive officers. Like there were, I think there were six different people who ran WCW between <laughs> 1991 and 1994. Oh my god! So oh my god! The, by by 1994, it was Eric Bischoff, and uh, he said no blood because they brought Hogan in and they wanted to kind of clean it up a little bit. And Dustin was like, "Well, I'm doing this insane match. I'm going to bleed." They fired him. He became Gold Dust, and I want to say that he. The next time he bled was double or nothing uh, 24 years later. Wow. Um, that kicks ass. That that really adds a lot to that blading that it was like full circle. I got fired for this. Now I'm yeah. going to fucking open an artery on my forehead because holy shit, that was a lot of blood. That's, that's um, That was oh, too much blood. I'm going to say like a smidge amount of too much blood. <laughs> it was a tough one. I But I, yeah, there's something. So this is one of the last times he really wrestled as Dustin Rhodes, his kind of just classic, simple, you know, yeah. tough boss gimmick. And, uh, um, I just love that. And I love that we got it again at double or nothing. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I loved I, that double or nothing match. I thought that was amazing. Um, it was amazing. Best match I've seen in a long time. Yeah, definitely. Like match of the show for sure. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I liked this cause I, I really hadn't seen a lot of just like regular Dustin Rhodes. I've seen a fair amount of gold dust, um, but yeah, I, I hadn't really seen him just kind of being like, uh, who, you know, baby face, uh, not going to give up guy. And, uh, he does it really, really well. I've always thought he structured his matches really well. I always thought he was like a very thoughtful, um, wrestler from what I've seen. Um, but I, I like him as his character. He's like a little hunk, you know, this was the first time I'd seen him wrestle. That wasn't the, uh, double or nothing match. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what a, like, cute little young boy in comparison to this (laughs) blood-covered old man in a gimp suit. (laughs) Like, he's he's really really, uh, charming to look at, and I love that he's wearing cowboy boots. It comes out to a country song. What a great look. His, his... WCW early nineties, the, the songs that they generated for their guys, I feel like are really underrated, just kind of like corny electric guitar magic. And, uh, his kind of like faux country song. He's a natural one. 
fabulous. Just just one of the great themes ever. Yeah. So corny and perfect. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I like that he was billed from uh, from Austin, where uh, I I lived, and I th- I'm pretty sure Dusty Rhodes was also from Austin. Like, I mean, I he really was from there. He was born there because Dusty Rhodes lived there. But, yeah. Uh, I like that. I also uh, need to say, because he came up, that uh, he was in a movie with some of my friends, and they said he's like the nicest guy ever. They love him. So oh, that's What movie good. was it? It was called Meet Me There. Okay. It was a horror movie. Yeah, that's. I knew it was a horror movie. I can't ever remember the title of it. It uh, it it got actually a sort of surprising amount of uh, theaters that it screened in because it came out the same weekend as that movie, The Interview, that every all the theaters pulled out of showing. Oh. so like it was just like a little indie movie that like my friends in Austin made uh but then it actually got into a lot of theaters because I needed stuff to replace the interview I've (laughs) I've never seen it I just know that my friend Lisa has a Mr. Skin page because of it because her boobs are in it I knew that I remember that one (laughs) but the match itself (laughs) anyway what are your thoughts on it um (laughs) the my thoughts on this were um it's uh uh Owen said this in the in the notes that like you can tell from this match again we were talking about how Vader despite being this like just sort of huge brutal bruiser seemed like a pretty giving person to work with and Owen said in the notes like he clearly respects Dustin here because he gives him a lot I mean he really does uh Dustin Dustin manages to suplex him and like slam him and uh you know you uh doing that for a little guy like that I feel like is is a real mark of respect for somebody who their whole sort of uh, basis for their intimidation is their size and their immovability. Um, there's also the the sort of third act of the match, like the babyface fire at the end is is really, really great. It's really exciting. Well, what I also enjoyed about this was that he gets the moves in, but it doesn't look like, okay, he's letting him get the moves Totally, in. yeah. It is, it is, is, you mentioned he's very good at structuring matches. It's structured sh- so well that you completely believe it as a viewer. Yeah, he was. Uh, he made it look like his opponent earned everything they got against him. Yeah. And uh, this had like a really, you know, kind of an old fashioned rhythm. Like, Rachel, I, you know, this is probably slower than most matches you tend to watch. Um, but th- there was really something to be said for that slow second act beat down by the heel because it just feels so satisfying when he started finally coming back again against Vader. Um, that's just that's sort of the just the classic southern rhythm that uh the WCW despite all its idiocy gave you a lot of and why people kept watching it I think yeah um, I definitely did feel that about the pacing because like I I'm you know the vast vast majority of the wrestling I've watched has been more modern stuff and and it definitely does feel slower but I think yeah if you can sort of divorce your expectations of pace and just try to watch it for the story that it is like it does it does end up making that third act return like very satisfying. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite sequences, which is both amazing and very WCWE is early on, uh, Vader spits in Dustin's face. Dustin (laughs) kind of thinks about it for a minute and then double leg takes down Vader and starts beating the hell out of him. And the crowd goes absolutely apeshit. The problem is that WCW misses the takedown. Like they did not capture him. That was that company. I, you know, it's possible it was my favorite company ever because they just had some amazing people who had a lot of freedom, but they just couldn't stop fucking up. Yeah, they they kind of got in their own way a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
That's too bad. Um, so, yeah, this was just like, a, a, I think this is just a beautiful, simple wrestling match. It was sort of Dustin's last hurrah because, you know, he had been sort of on the march towards maybe becoming the champion there. But a couple of months before this, they signed Hogan and everything they were doing went out the window for Hogan. And, that, you know. Yeah. That, they, that blows. Yeah. There are so many things about Hogan that fucking blow. <laughs> Yeah, the case for him is is pretty weak, I got to say. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I, I know that he was, like, the biggest dude. And, uh, you know, he is very important to the history of wrestling. But it's also like, man, imagine what the history of wrestling would look like just without him. Yeah. Probably be better in a lot uh, of ways. There might be a union. There might be a union, first of all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, WCW in early 94 was really rounding into form as the, as a great promotion. Then Hogan came in. It became unwatchable for years. It was yeah. uh, like I was on very early um, Usenet fan boards by like 95. And oh, yeah. People like there were already nerds on the Internet who were furious about Hulk Hogan in 1995. <laughs> like that, that dates back to the very beginning of the Internet, basically. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad those Usenet guys had the right had I'm the glad right takes. Point got another thing right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Vader was like, you 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 made a point in in the notes to talk about like how he he uh, always talked about how he was a champion on four continents, which he says in the in the promo you had us watch. And uh, he worked in like all of these companies. Like he was the first. I read he was the first uh, Gaijin uh, IWGP champ in New Japan. Yeah. Um. He, you know, he was in all Japan. He was working in Europe. He was working in WCW. Um. But then the only company that he really didn't work for in his prime uh, and sort of get the top honors in was WWF. Is that right? That is right. He came in and he got a big push at first and they did some kind of wild brawls. He beat up uh, this legendary announcer named Gorilla Monsoon, got a lot of heat. Oh, they wow. Up well, they built a SummerSlam 96 uh, where he challenged Shawn Michaels for the title. The plan was for him to go over Shawn Michaels for the title. Shawn Michaels at the very last minute talked Vince out of it. Oh, uh, boo. So Shawn Michaels he, loves to do that. Yes. He uh, – <laughs> he. Shawn Michaels is another guy who on a lower key level, although he had a lot of good matches, uh, it's tempting to do sliding doors with him because a lot of guys had long term stories that were just kneecapped because right. he got pissed one night. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Vader wrestled well in the WWF, but Vince just never believed in the kind of dark magic of Vader. He mm -hmm. saw him as a character and even a good character, but he was never like this is clearly the scariest dude I have. I should put him at the very top of the mountain for the good guy to be. Right. Um, and it was just sort of a shame. I mean, Vader had already had amazing runs elsewhere, but they, they wasted him in a way that nobody else did. Yeah, that's a, that is a real shame. I feel like, uh, you know, portents of what was to come for a lot of, uh, people who didn't look like big, uh, adonis bodybuilder guys in wwf yeah i yeah. think it's indicative of how it goes that he's not even the primary focus of the end of this match yeah 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 so the the one we're talking about um you did send us one from him in wwf and uh it's him versus stone cold um who you know then did eventually become become the guy and if i'm not mistaken this was sort of on stone cold's like rise to becoming the dude right 
yeah, he um, he he had sort of a long, slow rise. It slowed partly by a big injury he got. But um, mm. this was around the time he was still uh, a pure bad guy. But people were starting to realize he was kind of the best performer in the company. Um, so he was really starting to catch fire. He was not obviously as physically impressive either visually or in the ring as Vader, but he like the, the, the dumb boy part of me that loved Vader also loved Austin. He was just sort of like a badass in a really kind of reptilian way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He gets to that base part of a, of a boy brain. Yes, exactly. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. I'm like that too. I'm a big boy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is something that no fan ever would have said back in the day, but I think this is a, a, an element of wrestling you guys talk about a lot. And I think it's apropos here. Steve Austin's really handsome. And I think that is, you know, between the two packages, a lot of fans, even some of them, you know, straight men like myself were like, well, that's kind of a cool package. That guy over there who looks like he could be in a movie. Um, yeah, so, wrestling is a visual medium, and it, even if you're not, you know, attracted to uh, the performers sexually or whatever, like a handsome dude who can talk and wrestle and is the is a badass is like, if if wrestling is sort of an escapist fantasy for you, like it makes sense that you go for him and not uh, the big like redhead with no neck and the yeah. like catcher's mitt like weird buckles around his face <laughs> thank you for uh not calling us the horny podcast but acknowledging it in such a like kind and delicate way respectful it, way there's a lot of you <laughs> <laughs> but i do think that that's a great point and i actually hadn't considered it until you said it which is that like yeah he is he is a handsome guy and that's you know like a lot of men pretend that they don't care about that, but like they also love dude movie stars who have to be handsome. Oh yeah. Dudes are so horny for George Clooney, like more than any woman I have ever met. Like, Yeah. yeah it's it's a thing i will say uh while we're talking about this um shout out to stone cold for being like definitely a sex symbol and bald i always think that's great i love where i love a hot rank, bald where does he rank in your white balds oh yeah i <laughs> we just did a cesaro episode and i talked about cesaro is one of the hottest white balds in history um <laughs> stone stone cold's up there i feel like cesaro is more my type yeah um, for sure but like definitely I feel like there was like a time in WWE where you could be like a top hot guy and be bald. And I don't know if that time is has passed or not. But uh Yeah, he's what? up there. He's I, I think I think he's below Bruce Willis. Okay. Um I feel like it's Cesaro, Bruce Willis, Stone Cold. Where what about Chris Dickinson? Oh fuck, Chris Dickinson. He might be the top for me. Really? Okay. Yeah, he's a babe. Yeah. Dirty Daddy. Yeah. Love yeah. that guy. I don't know, Cesaro. Sorry, there's a uh, there's a mixed martial artist named Boss Rutan I recommend on that. Ooh, Ooh thank you. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but like while we're talking about bodies and stuff, like I this we've talked about this on the show. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. But like Vader is again a perfect example of um, the range of body diversity in wrestling that I think a lot of fan a lot of non fans don't. Um, think about when they think about wrestling they think about like oiled hunks or whatever but there are so many different ways to be powerful in wrestling and to convey power and it is very cool to me that this guy who you know like I said he does look like a power lifter in the ring but like out of the ring just looks like a big fat guy and like (laughs) it's really cool that that guy is so like 
him being a big fat guy makes him better at his job being scary and that's cool yeah, to me that no that rules that's that's a, a joy that i get out of watching him is that like this guy is big he has more power because he is big and if he wants more power he should just get bigger <laughs> yeah and he's gonna wear like a tiny singlet and you're gonna see his like boobs and it's fine and it's like that's part of why we like him and part of why he, we're, he's scary yeah I do I do think now that like with the way we talk about how beards are male contouring his like weird scary mask would have probably been designed to give him a neck. <laughs> That's right. I he claims that he designed that mask himself and it's just a bunch of bees attached. When I look at the match I don't quite think that's true, but uh, it it is a great weird mask. I'm sorry, um, did you say bees? A bunch of V's. Oh, oh, I thought you said bees as in oh. like buzz, buzz. And I was like, what? It's like the Arrested Development thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bees. Bees. But like also the idea that I designed this ma- mask of bees on my face is very, very funny. Someone should come out like that, like with a beekeeper, like with all the bees swarming on them. That's that would be that a good SNL entrance. sketch again. Of like, <laughs> there was a beekeeper. Yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, and it just one one last thing about him in WWF, sort of on the same front. I feel like uh, one weakness of Vince's imagination has always been he would never run with a guy who was only a bad guy. Like if he didn't think you could eventually be a good guy mm. and like sell soda cups and whatever, um, he would just kind of lose interest in you. And I actually think Vader could have worked as a good guy, but the bad guy would have to be like literally an airplane. you would have to like create something in a lab that was big and scary enough so he could be an underdog yeah Um, but i think vince was just never like he was never like oh i I could get people to like that guy and i'm like that's great what's more valuable than a guy that nobody could ever like right like somebody who is impossible to to have the fans turn face like yeah yeah that seems like it would be great but but yeah that that makes sense to me given when i think about booking like how they how they think of stuff um what would you use to build an airplane like a helicopter a big truck (laughs) like (laughs) i feel like they could do like the braun Strowman thing with him where he just like pushes over ambulances and stuff yeah that's true they could do that um he could break a, a cello over Elias's head or whatever. Yeah. And like also he could definitely get over it as a baby face in modern times if he fought like a spirit airplane because everyone hates flying spirit. <laughs> that would be really good. I like doing booking. <laughs> in that very cheesy uh WCW promo, there's footage of him in a locker room. The uh, a row of lockers is falling over towards him and he's kind of just like trying to gut punch it back upright. It's the most <laughs> physical sequence I've ever seen. But it's like they kind of were like, oh, he's a physical marvel. We should show that off. And then they came up with the craziest. It looks looks like nothing that could ever happen to anybody. That was for you. Yeah, I loved that promo, by the way. And I we've again, we have talked in this show before about how Velveteen Dream is a big wrestling nerd. Have either of you seen the promo where it's a bunch of things that Velveteen Dream did and he just stares at the camera and says dream and the word dream shows up on the screen behind him. I don't think so. It, I have not seen that. He's a wrestling nerd. There's kind of very little doubt in my mind that that Velveteen Dream promo was rooted in them saying a bunch of words that begin with V in this. All right. 
I also really love the detail of showing the word in the dictionary for each word. That made me laugh <laughs> really hard. <laughs> um, before we go, I also do want to talk about, uh, I feel like this will be the hot take section of, of the podcast because anytime a podcast talks about Will Ospreay, people like get all freaked out about it. But uh, <laughs> so like before he died, um, so like Will Ospreay and Ricochet, this was like right around the time I was getting into wrestling. So I remember this. Will Ospreay and Ricochet had uh, a best of a Super Juniors match that like everybody was raving about. I watched it. I thought it was great. Um, oh, and have you seen that match? I have seen that match and I thought it was great too. Yeah. Is that the like super flippy sequence one? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's two it. super flippy guys doing what they do, which is super flippy stuff. And it's really cool. But uh, Vader did not. Uh, appreciate this Vader did not like it um he started tweeting about how he didn't like it and then Vader and Will Ospreay got in a Twitter fight um because that's what Will Ospreay does and uh it actually ended up with them booking a match Vader versus Ospreay and Rev Pro and uh Vader beat him of course yeah but uh I just I just wanted to talk about that because I do think like when I talk about like uh vader being like a very giving performer and not like you know uh sacrificing power for like spots and stuff like all of that stuff is just like the diametric opposite of will osprey to me and like i can see how somebody with the perspective that vader seemed to have of what a good pro wrestling match is would watch ricochet will osprey and be like this sucks <laughs> I am someone who enjoys both things, but I I just think that is interesting that that is like one of the last sort of big things he did. I think he's a giving performer because Will Ospreay is alive (laughs) after wrestling Vader. Great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not, again, that's not me wishing that Will Ospreay was dead. It's just that like he could rip that guy's head off pretty easily and then, you know, kill the rest of the Farnsworths. Because um, Will Ospreay looks like Hubert Farnsworth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I am obviously biased, but I was hashtag Team Vader all the way on that feud. Uh, I find Ospreay annoying, as I think you guys, too, uh, do as well. Although, I mean, obviously, he's a really great wrestler. Um, I mean, I, I like that match a lot. I do think that that kind of mirror sequence that Vader reacted to in a vacuum is obviously very choreographed and uh you know vader was sort of being a grumpy old man but also didn't have to like call him a dinosaur (laughs) the the interesting thing about it is you know if you could make a list of the will ospreys of like 1991 Mm -hmm. i don't know that vader would be number one but he would be top five in terms of just being an absolute physical marvel yeah but vader never lost track of he felt that they were showing a fight they were not showing a show. They were showing a fight. Um, everything he had, he did had to be in the service of a fight. Every time he mustered a lot of force and momentum, it had to be towards his opponent's face, basically. Yeah. Uh, it never had to be like motion in any other direction. It was all about showing that he was fighting somebody. So, uh, and I think, you know, Osprey at his best does more of that than he did in that match. Although I really did enjoy that match as a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. I feel like that is very well said. Um, and I don't think there's a better way to like wrap this episode up than that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was wonderful. Yeah. Um, oh, and I have a mini lightning round for you as a guest on this show. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, head or tail for the rat question? You know it. I, yes. I, uh, <laughs> I 
think in practice, I just got to go head. Okay. I think I will experience the tail more than I'll experience the head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, clueless question. What is your theory? I got to go oral. Uh, okay. I, I okay. <laughs> Thank you. A lot you. of admiration for the anal people, but I got to go oral. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Owen, what, where can people find your work? We didn't like really introduce who Owen is. Owen is like a very... Uh, prolific television producer and writer. writer. Yeah. If any people on the Emmys committee uh, <laughs> listen to this show, please nominate Superstore because Owen writes for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, watch Superstore. I'm on Twitter, unforgivably, at uh, ONLXN. Uh, and uh, that's all. Support wrestling, support WrestleSplania, drink chocolate milk. Oh, thank you, Owen. Thanks. Um, yeah, if you would like to take Owen's advice and support WrestleSplania, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. We do two full bonus episodes a month. We have a wonderful Discord full of lovely people that like to talk about pro wrestling that you uh, can join if you pledge. And uh, I have two other podcasts, uh, What a Time to Be Alive, about uh, funny news stories every week, and Lie, Cheat, and Steal, about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. Both of those have Patreons as well. Um, Rachel, what do you got? Uh, I made a documentary with my dad about Pennsylvania voting rights. Uh, if you are interested in checking that out, it's about gerrymandering. We made it in Pennsylvania. Uh, you can stream it at Line in the Street dot com via Vimeo or Amazon. Uh, and if you are interested in seeing it on a screen, we have a screening of it July 26th in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And you can hit me up for more information about that. We also have a West Coast producer, our West Coast producer, LB Hunk Tears. They are covering Woo! WWE for fanbite.com. And they also have a Patreon devoted to the uh, science and art of hunkology. And you can find that at patreon.com slash hunktears. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for coming on, Owen. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.